this morning. Don't forget this evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to be gathering in the gym. Uh, we have a mission project where we'll be working on uh, the Innkeeper's Journal uh, for uh, BISD teachers. And then following that, we'll be going out uh, Christmas caroling. And so I hope that you'll join us uh, for this evening's uh, activities. And, uh, and then don't forget also right after this morning's worship service, we will be having a brief uh, business meeting. And so all of those things out of the way, again, let me say how grateful we are that you're here this morning and hope that you've come ready to worship with some expectation and some anticipation. So let's stand together as we sing.
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For giving. For giving. Thank you for your giving. The Lottie Moon offering. Toward Lottie Moon. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But most importantly, due to your generosity, we've been able to share God's word with those around us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, First Baptist Church of Church in Riverside, California. Because you gave, I'm able to access remote areas of Central Asia and explain the gospel with people God is already drawing to himself. With your help, we are bringing light to dark places among unreached people groups. Because of what you've given, it allows me to share this gospel with as many Central Asians as I can across London. Your giving allows our organization to provide need for refugees and to give them hope. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that we can buy Bibles in Arabic that we use with our Discovery Bible study with non-believers. Because of your generosity, African women are hearing stories from God's word while henna is being drawn on their hands and arms. And because of your giving, the life changes that we see through faith in Jesus Christ, that happens because of your gifts. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and helping to provide this wonderful water filter here in Northern Thailand. Your giving allows me to continue with my medical license here in Ghana, where I can not only do surgeries, but also the patients have the opportunity to hear the gospel. So thank you. Because of your giving, I'm able to speak to these thousand kids every Wednesday morning. Thank you. Thank you, First thank Baptist Church. Thank you, Faith Promise Church. Thank you, Faith Baptist Church. Thank you for giving to Latimu. Thank you, and God bless you. Today's candle represents joy. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they pre presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for sending your son to us um, to, as a baby, to live a life that we can relate to and that we can understand because he was fully man at the same time, Lord. Thank you for sending him to save us and um, to live a perfect life that we can be used as an example for us to live, Lord. As we go through the rest of this Advent season, Lord, we ask that you just help us remember the true reason um, for this season. Give us joy um, as we experience it and help us spread joy to all those around us. If there are any that don't know him, Lord, we ask that um, you help us be the light in their life and show them who you are and why we celebrate this season. We ask for your love and your grace as we continue to go through this season, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Southern Baptist, December emphasizes two things for us. Most importantly, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, but also foreign missions, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And I'm not sure you realize just how fortunate we are as a Southern Baptist church here at Westgate because we've had direct connection with three different international missionaries, Janet and Clint Stewart in, when they were in Russia, Robert and Rhonda Pepper uh, when they were in West Africa, and now Alton and Janie Ferris's daughter, Sarah Beth Ferris, uh, who we're not allowed to say uh, where she is because she serves in a close country. Not all Southern Baptist churches get this up close and personal with international missionaries. And we've had the privilege of being able to be up close and personal with three different groups of international missions. And so let me remind you, remember here at Westgate, we figure our budget on 51 Sundays because next Sunday, Everything that will be given, unless otherwise designated, will be going toward the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So all gifts next week will go to support international missions. And when we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, those monies go directly to those missionaries. No administrative fees are taken out. Nothing is taken out of those gifts. It goes directly to those international uh, missionaries. And so uh, remember to pray for our international uh, missionaries around the world. And then don't forget that this time of the year is a very special time as we celebrate those who serve uh, on the foreign mission field. Let's continue to worship this morning. Oh, come let us adore him. 
choirs of angels sing in exultation. Oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the Love me. 
that's enthroned him. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds God and angels sing. we do thank you so much for the gift of your son Jesus Christ Father we thank you that we are able to celebrate his birth and Father that we are able to read about his life and Father to benefit from his death burial, and resurrection. Father, we thank you for the hope that is wrapped up in the life of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we continue to worship this morning through the preaching of your word, I pray that you will open our hearts and our ears and our minds to receive from you the word that you have for us today. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We are certainly living in some of the most uncertain times of our lives, and that's been evidenced by the global pandemic that began actually two years ago this month. In addition to that, we're all experiencing individual uncertainty, maybe a loss of job or uncertainty about job, health issues, financial issues. It's a global pandemic, but also we see the natural disasters such as the tornadoes ripping through six states fewer than 48 hours ago. Certainly uncertain times, yet we all have uncertainty in our own life. So as we begin this new sermon series, I've invited Preston Burns Simpson to come and share a testimony because their lives are certain uncertainty as well. They've been a part of our church family for a decade now, and they are facing a new season of uncertainty. They're retiring and relocating. Both things cause a lot of uncertainty. In addition, during their time here in Beaumont, they have worked with international students out at Lamar helping them to find certainty in the midst of their uncertainty as they traveled abroad to study here at Lamar. So Preston Byrne, we're going to miss you guys as you head out. This is one of your last Sundays. We're uncertain as to which one your last Sunday is, but they're going to come and share a testimony with us, and thanks for doing that. Uh, well, uh, I guess you now know who we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, Raymond just gave most of my... Uh, statement. Uh, he asked us to say a few words about uh, dealing with uncertainty. I'm not sure why we were chosen because I don't deal with it very well. Uh, I'm one of those people that likes everything planned out. I don't like surprises. Uh, but I have been thinking about this uh, even before Raymond called because we are facing a transition in uh, our life. I'm going to uh, retire from practice. We're going to move to uh, Plano. 
Uh, we really don't know what lies ahead for us there, uh, except in very broad outline. Uh, but that's really a rather trivial uncertainty when you look at the, the broad scheme of things. Uh, certainly many people have to deal with uh, many worse things than that. We're not entitled to anything in this life. Uh, my sister is an example of that. She uh, retired from her law practice in the fall of 2019 and then seven months later saw her husband drop dead of a heart attack. Uh, Raymond mentioned the pandemic that's caused just untold misery and uncertainty for countless people, not only in our community, but across the world. Uh, you can look at Ezekiel and the exiles in, in uh, Babylon that we talked about in Sunday school. Uh, it's almost unimaginable to us, that kind of, uh, of uncertainty and, and uh, disruption. Uh, indeed, the only certainty we have in this life is that Christ died for us and that he offers us a blessed existence uh, when the uncertainties and miseries of this uh, of life in this tent are over. Uh, but we will use this time to put in a plug for the uh, English as a Second Language Ministry uh, down at Lamar Baptist Church. Uh, we've been involved in that for several years now. There are a good number of foreign students at Lamar, uh, and uh, that church has found a way to minister to them through the ESL ministry. Uh, these young folks are a long way from home. Uh, they're facing a lot of uncertainty in a new country, a new school, uh, dealing with a language that's not their native language. Uh, and the, the ESL ministry, which meets on Sunday afternoons during the academic year, uh, gives them a chance to speak English in, with native English speakers uh, in a way that's very relaxed and, and non-threatening, with less uncertainty, you might say. The only requirement uh, is that you be a native English speaker and that you enjoy talking to young people. Uh, the lessons are prepared by the leaders, so you don't, all you need to do is show up. You don't need any facility with a foreign language. Uh, these students are taking classes in English, so they already have some uh, uh, ability in it. Uh, and uh, you know, they have some command of the language. They just want a chance to practice speaking English with native uh, English speakers uh, and be able to make mistakes where nobody's going to laugh at them. Uh, and we can almost guarantee that you're going to make some friends. We uh, have made many over the years. We've uh, had them to our house for dinner and in turn been invited to their apartments. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can take them out to eat. Students, college students always need a good meal. Uh, the, uh, as far as the evangelism goes, uh, you just kind of let it happen. Uh, uh, the lessons will usually have some uh, thought-provoking questions at the end about spiritual issues in a general sense. So you just, just let the students talk uh, maybe probe them a little bit with some questions uh, and just to see where it goes. Um, is, uh, in terms of my uh, better half, she doesn't like to speak in front of large groups, uh, so she let me do the talking. But she said, if you have any questions about the program, she'll be happy to talk to you afterwards or just call her up. And uh, uh, she's, she's a font of information. So thank you. Thank y'all for sharing that. Uncertain intro. That was, that was planned. You know, as we begin this series on certain uncertainty, life is uniquely bookend with uncertainty. 
and certainty. Every one of you have a certain birthday, time, a date, a day in which you were born. It's certain. But none of us have a certain death day. We don't know when that's going to happen. And so our life is literally bookend by certainty and uncertainty. And it's a fitting reminder that both of those can coexist, certainty and uncertainty. Our natural default is to want to eradicate the uncertainty. We want things nailed down. We want them clear. We want them familiar. We want them to be certain. As we look at the Christmas story, that very familiar account of Jesus' birth, we find both elements, the familiarity, the certainty of what happened, but we fail to remember that there was a lot of uncertainty when all of that was unraveling. And when uncertainty comes into our life, we tend to ask several questions. Number one is, how? How am I going to get through this experience? We tend to ask, why? Why is this happening to me? Where? Where is this going to take me? And when is all of this going to unfold? Well, as we go through this series, we're going to look at different characters in the account of Jesus' birth, and we're going to try to answer each one of those questions. But since our natural default is towards focusing on uncertainties, my hope is that we will be able to also focus on the certainties that we have in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of Mary, and that is found in, in Luke chapter 1. If you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at uh, three different aspects of Mary's life. The annunciation, the announcement is what it literally means, of when Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. Then her follow-up visit to Elizabeth after all of this happened, and then her expression of worship. Now let's put a little, let's put a little bookmarker right there, a little stop point. I want to go back to something that was said earlier when we were talking about the Christmas offering, to know that not only do we have missionaries overseas, but we also have missionaries of Southern Baptists right exactly where those tornadoes have hit. You know that some of the very first people there, you always hear about the Red Cross being one of the first responders. You know that Texas, oftentimes, Texas Baptists as well as Southern Baptist relief workers arrive even before the Red Cross. Every time you give, part of what you give goes to what's called the cooperative program. That's Baptists all across the world collectively giving together to minister all throughout the world. So each time you give, even if a disaster hasn't occurred that week, you are helping out to make sure that first responders are there and people are getting help in the midst of their uncertainties. So thank you for giving. If you want to give over and above an additional offering designated for that, feel free to do that and we'll make sure it gets to the right place. Also, it's so easy for us to forget about previous disasters. Do you remember Lake Charles? In nine months, they had two catastrophic hurricanes and a flood that destroyed many of the homes that had already been rebuilt after the second of those two catastrophic hurricanes. Many people have forgotten about Lake Charles, but we have been over there continuing to minister. We have partnered with First Baptist of Lake Charles. You have already helped them out financially in their very adverse situation. 
You're helping them to build a website, which was one of their most critical needs, so that they could communicate. They're meeting in two different churches, borrowed churches. So they needed a way of communicating that on the social networks. We're helping them to put together a live nativity, which they'll be drive cars from the community, will drive through. And we're giving them copies of the innkeeper's journal so people can receive that and have the gospel presented to them. So thank you for all the many different ways that you are helping out. So let's now look at the Annunciation after that brief advertisement for Southern Baptist. The Annunciation, that is the announcement that Gabriel brings to Mary, that she is going to be the mother of Jesus. And we find that in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And that's important to hear. To a virgin pledged to be married, and that's important to hear. We're going to hear that word three different times. A man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled, tremendous understatement, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the question that we ask today, how will this be? In the midst of the uncertainty that you have just shared with me, how will this happen? since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she was said to be unable to conceive. She is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded to all of this by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It's only through Matthew and Luke that we have the details surrounding the birth of Jesus. And Luke gives us a lot. He's the only one that talks about this visit from Gabriel. Gabriel being the fourth time in Scripture is here visiting Mary, telling her of what is about to happen. As we look at this particular situation, you've heard the word virgin three different times in this passage of scripture. A virgin is a word that's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about in church. We talk about sexual issues all over our culture, but it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but it's important for us to know, and Luke recorded three different times in this passage that Mary was a virgin. Why? Maybe R.T. Kendall explained it best. He was a pastor of Westminster Chapel for 25 years, an author and speaker, and he said, the virgin birth of Christ shows that salvation can never come through human effort. Our salvation comes exclusively from God. God traffics in the impossible, and that's why Mary would ask the obvious question, how in the world can I be the mother of Jesus if I am a virgin? And God said through his angel, nothing is impossible with God. You have some uncertainties in your life, don't you? Then you ask the question, how? How will we get through this? Well, that's what Mary was asking. First of all, her how was, how is this going to happen? I'm from Nazareth, and everybody knows in Scripture that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. 
Nazareth wasn't even mentioned in the Old Testament. Look it up. In the Hebrew Talmud, it mentions 63 different villages around Galilee, but Nazareth is not included. You look around this room. Nazareth was no bigger than the population of this room right now. And it wasn't the big story. See, Sepphoris was the big story. It was the big city. Have you ever heard of Sepphoris? Probably not. It had 30,000 people. It was the hub of, of commerce, of culture, of the market. In fact, the people of Nazareth would, would go, one, they would travel an hour each way to Sepphoris each day to conduct business. They would take their, their wares, their trades. They would conduct business there. The farmers taking uh, their produce. It was a prosperous place, not Nazareth. That's why Nathaniel would say, when confronted with the fact that Jesus was from Nazareth, the Messiah, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nobody believed that, and Mary didn't. How is this going to happen? In Nazareth today, there are two different churches that commemorate this event called the Annunciation, meaning the, the announcement that Gabriel brought to Mary. The first is a, the Greek Orthodox Church of the Annunciation, and it's built over a spring. The thought is, that's where Mary received this announcement from Gabriel. Water was life. In this culture, this time, this place, this geography, dry, barren land, you depended upon water for life. It was called living water. And the thought was it must have been at a spring that Mary had gone to as a teenager who probably had the responsibility of carrying water from the spring back to the house. Jesus used the same metaphor in John chapter 4 when he was sitting by a well, promising the Samaritan woman living water. So people can go there over a spring and be reminded that living water coming out of the ground, cool, refreshing and clean, which was important in that culture. And there's also the Catholic Basilica of the Annunciation. That's built over a cave, and we wonder why would that be? But that was a reflection of the socioeconomic status of Mary. Many homes of very impoverished people were made out of caves. There's limestone throughout that area. And it's easy to cut into the side of a hill and create a place in which one can live. Also a place to store things. It reminded us of who Mary was. And that's why she would say, how? Because if you looked at scripture and you looked at the promise of the Messiah, Mary would be voted least likely to be the Messiah's mother. There wasn't anything that she saw about her life that would attract the attention of God. In many ways, she was like Cinderella before the fairy godmother showed up. But in her humble state, God demonstrated favor. So here is Mary receiving this announcement from Gabriel, who comes from the very presence of God, and says, you're going to bear the Messiah. He's going to be your son, but not just your son. He'll be the son of God, because he'll be born supernaturally, you will remain a virgin until after the birth. How would you respond to that information? If someone came up to you and said, uh, I haven't done anything inappropriate, I'm just pregnant. 
probably wouldn't sell very well, right? And in that culture, if someone became pregnant outside of marriage, there was a great possibility that their life would come to an end, either physically, literally, or figuratively. And so here is Mary experiencing all of the thoughts of what the, what the town is saying, feeling the shame of what people were saying about her, and so she left. It says in verse 39 that she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea to visit Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why are you so favored? Why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary stayed there for three months. Where she was going from Nazareth to Ai and Karim is about 80 miles. That would be a four-day journey. And so Mary left Nazareth to go to visit Elizabeth, who was a generation apart from her. Why? Because she needed support and encouragement. In her small town of Nazareth, with people no more than what's in this room now, she wouldn't get that. No one would understand. No one would believe. If she stayed there, the shame might have changed her perspective, and she might not have trusted in God. She had a long road ahead of her. Not only the experience of bearing this child, but also raising this child very possibly alone. There were two different stages for someone to be betrothed, much different than our engagement today. The first stage would last about 12 months in which the, the man and the woman would be committed to each other, and it was a legally binding document that you could not exit, you couldn't extricate yourself except through a legal transaction. And if anything happened during those 12 months, such as something like this, then you would formally divorce one another. The second part of it was actually the wedding itself. Well, this happened during that 12-month period. We're going to talk about Joseph next week. So here she is in the midst of this, wondering what in the world is going to happen to her life. And she goes and finds encouragement with Elizabeth. And then the third thing that we look at today is Mary's expression of worship. And in just a minute, we're going to apply all of this to our own lives, lest you think this is just a history lesson. Mary's expression of worship is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and following. It says, And Mary said, My God glorifies the Lord. And from there, she goes into what's called the Magnificat. And she begins to quote scripture from Isaiah, Genesis, Exodus, 1 Samuel, Micah, and the Psalms. She had committed these words to her memory. And as she expressed her worship to God and called him the Mighty One, she was referencing what she already knew in her heart, the truth about God. It's a beautiful expression of worship as you read over it. So as you think about these particular aspects of Mary's life, I want us to ask the question, when life feels uncertain, what do we do? Well, first of all, we focus on the certainty of what we have in Christ. As noted earlier, 
We spend a lot of time focusing on the uncertainty. I bet some of you even now are thinking about the uncertainty of your life, even as I speak. I can't imagine you thinking of anything else while I'm talking, but I imagine you are. There's uncertainty all around us. We focus on that. We fixate on that. But how often do we sit around in the midst of our uncertainty and we focus on the certainty that we have in Christ? You say, okay, I'm game. How do I do that? Well, Mary gives us three great clues right here in the passage of Scripture. First of all is to believe the certainty of God's Word, just like Mary did. Believe in the certainty of God's Word. Okay, in your uncertainty, you're asking, how? Great question. We all ask it in the midst of our uncertainty. She asked it in verse 34. How will this happen? I don't understand this. And then in verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. I believe the word of God. What did Gabriel say? Gabriel just come from the very presence of God. He is saying, I am a messenger. That's what an angel is. I am bringing a message to you from the very presence of God. I am bringing you God's word. Now, we get God's word in a little bit different way now, don't we? We have 66 books, inspired word of God through which God speaks. Are those valuable? Well, if you're reading through the Bible, even today, you're in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. It tells us that Daniel understood the exile would last for 70 years by reading Jeremiah. Here is Daniel saying, the relevance of God's word is that I am able to see and understand how long this exile will be by reading God's word. Believe the certainty of God's word. Mary embodied Joshua 1.8. Meditate on this day and night, the word of God. You'll be sure to obey everything written in it, and then you will prosper, and then you will have success. You've heard me say many times over the last number of years, 15 years ago, I was challenged by a mentor to read through God's Word every single year. I had read God's Word, read it daily, read it often, regularly. But I was challenged to read through from cover to cover, and I've been doing that for 15 years. It's been transformative in my life. But I'm not asking everybody to do that. In fact, we're going to offer a new opportunity coming in, in January. We're going, to, we're going to adapt a little bit differently from the Bible reading calendar in which you can read five readings Monday through Friday, if you get behind, you can catch up on Saturday and Sunday. They will take you through the Word of God. And I hope you'll be, be planning on participating on that. Because God's Word is so relevant. We're living right now in a time in which a huge decision is being made about the issue of abortion in our Supreme Court. How relevant is God's Word? We find ourselves on this particular day after oral arguments have been listened to at the Supreme Court in the year 2021, and we see the relevance of God's word speaking to us. When Mary visited Elizabeth, it said that the baby in her womb, six months pregnant, leaped. The word used there, preface, Greek word, for baby. It's the same word that is used for a baby in the womb and the same word for baby outside of the womb. So it refers to preface the fact that John the Baptist was in the womb of his mother. Preface the same word will be used in the next chapter of Luke to describe the baby Jesus after 
he was born. God's word is so relevant to us. We live in a time in which people want to make up their own truth, and here's the reality. We all can reject truth. That's our prerogative. We can reject truth, but we can't create it. And God's word speaks to this. God's word is so relevant to us in all areas of our life. Abraham Lincoln was once asked, if you counted the tail as a leg, how many legs would a sheep have? What would your answer be? What would the answer in America be? Abraham Lincoln said, you can call the tail whatever you want, but a sheep only has four legs. You see, we can reject truth, but we can't create it. And God's word is so relevant that if we trust in the certainty of it, it will guide us through our uncertainty. So let me ask you, are you believing and practicing, applying the certainty of God's word in your life? The second principle that we see here is to surround yourself with people who are certainly seeking God. Look at verse 39. It says, at that time, after Mary had all of this uncertainty dropped on her, it says that she hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea. Why? She wanted to surround herself with someone who was certainly seeking God. It was very uncommon for anyone to travel more than 25 miles away from their home during their lifetime, during this time that we're speaking of. And here is Mary, traveling over 80 miles, a four-day journey, dangerous for anybody, more so for a woman all by herself. Why did she make the long journey? Because she knew there's a place where I can find someone that is certainly seeking God. Are you surrounding yourself with people who are certainly seeking God? To give you the right perspective to trust God, even in the midst of uncertainty in your life? It's so important for us to surround ourselves because we are inundated with information. We are inundated with bad news. We are inundated with falsehoods and lies. So we need to surround ourselves with people who are certainly seeking God. And then worship God as a certain creator and sustainer of all there is. Look back at verse 49. It may not sound significant to us, but in the midst of the magnificent, Mary says, for the mighty one. It is to say that God has no peers. There is no equal, no one even close. He is sovereign over all things. And she worshiped him in the midst of her uncertainty, not knowing how it would play out with Joseph. Would he reject her? Would he divorce her? Would he publicly shame her? Would he call for her execution? How would that play out? What would her family do? Will she be banished from the people that she knows? In all of that, she worshiped God as a certain creator and sustainer of all that there is. Let me ask you, do you know God like that? As a certain creator and sustainer of life? The one who created you? and created you to have a relationship with him. But because of our choice to reject truth, sin has entered into our life and separates us from God. But thankfully, Jesus Christ can make us right with God. 
We can be changed for all of eternity simply by humbly repenting of our sins, surrendering our life completely to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, I can't think of a better time to do that during this Christmas season than right now. And if it's not Christmas season, the best time is always now to receive Christ. So would you join me as we pray together? Father, we thank you that as we read in your word, nothing is impossible with you. We look at the story of Mary and it seems so impossible. How could anything like that ever happen? But as Gabriel just casually says, one who lives in the very presence of who you are reminds us nothing is impossible with God. We need to hear that, Lord, in the midst of our uncertainty. Know that you are the one who is a certainty that we need. For anyone in this room listening or those online that have never given their life to Christ, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would prompt them to voice a prayer similar to this to begin a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, we have seen through your word that we can always be confident that your word is trusted because it's your word and you can be trusted. I pray, Lord, that you would inspire each one of us as followers of Christ to surround ourselves with people who are certainly seeking after you, that we would not take our relationship with you casually. We would long to know you and love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. I pray that in this Christmas season, some of us facing great uncertainty, not sure what even the next week is going to look like, Lord, that you would help us to ground our confidence in the certainty of who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. And uh, I want to invite you, if you've made a decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, first of all, let me say that's, that's the beginning point. That is not the end all of Christianity to pray some prayer and say, okay, now I'm a Christian. That's the beginning point to say, okay, now I truly am surrendering all of my life from this day forward, everything to Jesus Christ, beginning a relationship with him. And if you prayed to receive Christ and you'd like to next be baptized, which Jesus has commanded, uh, meet me over at the cross. and We'll talk more about that or let me know out at the Connection Center after the service that you would want somebody to follow up with you. Those of you that are guests, I hope that you know that we are praying for you, have prayed for you, we'll continue to pray for you. I hope you'll meet us at the Connection Center after the service so that we can visit with you and get to know you. Some of you here may want to become a member of Westgate. Again, you're wondering, is this chair, I mean, they, they seem a little bit confused about all their chairs and all that other stuff and tablecloths on the, those are all going away. We're going to become a bona fide pew-driven church next week. So sound will be great the preaching probably not so great but we're getting there you know you may want somebody to just pray with you you may say you know I, I didn't hear most of what you said but I kept on hearing you say that word uncertainty and and that's the the resonant word of my life right now I just feel so uncertain you want somebody to pray with you meet us over the cross we'll pray with you how about we worship together this final song together let's stand together as Jeff comes and leads us let's just worship and celebrate the certainty that we have in Christ Thank you.
go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that jesus christ is born while shepherds kept their watching for silent flocks by night behold throughout the heavens there shone a holy light go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. If you would be, if for those of you who are going to stay for the business meeting, if you'd please be seated, and I'm going to recognize Dave Carpenter to come and call us into session. We're going to go into business meeting uh, this morning. Uh, we had our first uh, conversation about uh, the next year's budget. Uh, this past week, there were several questions that were uh, raised during that time, and I'm going to recognize Jeff to uh, bring uh, the answers to those questions. There were three questions uh, that were uh, referred back to us, uh, uh, specifically in the uh, area of personnel uh, that we want to uh, address. The first question was on the administrative assistant line item, uh, who makes up that line item? Uh, included in that line item are our receptionist and administrative assistant, Chris uh, Ingram, uh, our financial uh, administrative assistant, Dawn Graff, and uh, then uh, Suzette uh, Molnar, who uh, works uh, directly with uh, Warren and uh, Jana. So that's who makes up uh, that line item. The second uh, question was, is why was our FICA uh, number going down and was that correct? That FICA number in the budget uh, is correct, uh, even though there are, uh, there is a, uh, a percentage raise that has been, been, is being given. Uh, the reason that number is going down is one, uh, we over budgeted it this past year, and then the misunderstanding may be uh, Raymond, myself, and Warren, uh, and uh, also last year, Lane, uh, we are considered self-employed, and so the church does not contribute to our uh, FICA. Uh, we pay the uh, complete 15% uh, out, of, uh, out of our salary. So our numbers do not figure into uh, the FICA uh, line item as you see it uh, on the budget. Uh, only uh, Jana's uh, salary is in there uh, because she is not uh, licensed or ordained or anything along those lines, so she's considered an employee of the church, uh, and then the other employees of the church are who make up the FICA uh, line item. Uh, the final question that was asked was about our workers' comp. Why is that number going up? Uh, and the reason for that is, is uh, Texas Mutual is who we carry our workers' comp through, and they typically issue a dividend uh, each year. Uh, they did not uh, this past year, and so, we're usually able to take that dividend, set it aside, help to pay for our workers' comp 
uh, premiums. Uh, since there was not a dividend uh, this past year, we are having to budget for uh, the complete uh, premium uh, that is being uh, asked for this, uh, this year. So that's the conclusion of the meeting. There's uh, no other questions, but those three were uh, brought up and, uh, and answered by Jeff. And uh, let me pray for us, as, and we'll be dismissed from our business meeting. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your love and mercy, and particularly this time of year, if we do think about the love and mercy of God upon our lives. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we have in Christ alone, uh, for the hope for the future, the bright future you have for us. Help us, Lord, to obey all that we know and honor you, serve you, worship you, and love you all the days of our life. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>